May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 44 will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. I believe it's been almost 19 years since 9-11 happened. Do you remember where you were when 9-11 news broke that day? There was a lot of things I remember about that. The horror, the tragedy, a nation wounded. I remember and I look back and remember how the world was before 9-11 happened. The freedoms that we had. Then 9-11 happened and things changed. You know what else I remember about 9-11, ironically enough? It was I remember that God was at the forefront of the American conscience for the first time in a long time. And here's what I mean by that. There was many people talking about God in many different ways. The televangelists were saying at the time that this was long over punishment due for a nation that had long since abandoned God. And then there was other people that would say, well, no, that's not my God. My God wouldn't allow something like that to happen. And still others were saying, where is God in the midst of all of this? Where are you, Lord? How could you let something like this happen? Now flash forward 19 years. There have been wars that have been fought. There have been things that have come and gone. Tragedies that have occurred. And we're really not much different today than we are 19 years ago. We started this decade off with a massive pandemic, and I'm not just talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, but we've also got racism going on. We're a nation divided. We're a broken world that's shattered into many pieces. There's finger pointing, hopelessness, despair, and it would be easy to ask right now, where is God in the midst of all these troubles? Maybe it seems like God has gone silent. Maybe it seems like there's no end in sight to all the troubles that we're facing today. People are looking for comfort and hope. And dare I say that God is once again at the forefront of the American conscience? Only it may not be the God that we're thinking of. God has always been at the forefront of people's consciences. The question is, which God is it? You know, in the days of Isaiah, the Israelites found themselves in much similar conditions, probably maybe, honestly, much worse conditions. Their world had disintegrated around them. The things that reassured them of their identity in God, like the temple and the kingdom and the land, were all gone, ransacked by the Babylonians. And there they found themselves in captivity. And it looked like these Babylonian gods, we'll say gods with a small g, all right? It looked like they had seemingly defeated Yahweh and that left Yahweh limping off into the desert, a god having gone silent. The Babylonian god Marduk had seemingly, in the eyes of the Israelites and the rest of the world, defeated Yahweh. And for more than two generations, the Israelites would suffer. Suffer in despair and hopeless conditions. Finally, though, the, the, the dominance of the Babylonians came to an end at the hands of the Persians. And Israel slowly became, you know, began to come out of exile. They slowly began to return from exile. But it would be a very long and a very arduous trek. And right now, in the midst of all these conditions, 
This is a crucial point for the faith of Israel. Could they? Would they trust Yahweh again? A God in their eyes who seemed so small and so weak compared to all the other gods that the world had to offer. Would they trust Yahweh after they had suffered so much? And with all these other gods out there that the world had to offer, why would they trust uh, Yahweh? Why would they even think about returning to Him? And if you stop and think about the history of God's people, it's one that's filled with this endless cycle of sin and the punishment and the repentance and forgiveness and right back into the sin portion again, right? It's just, just this non-ending cycle of these things. And sin stems from disobedience. And disobedience comes in many forms of which worshiping false gods falls amongst them. And every time man sin, God's disciplined. Why? Why does God discipline? Because God's a jealous God. Because God's the one that, that cares so much about those that he created, that he wants to have that relationship with. And yet man over and over again breaks that relationship. You know, he is, Yahweh, is the God of all creation, the author of life, of salvation. And yet we human beings tend to forget that. It's easy to lose sight of who God is and who we are as His people when you're in the midst of darkened times. We can forget how faithful He is. And as we wait to hear from God, as if somehow God has gone silent, we turn to look through other things for our comfort and our peace and our hope. You know, Luther's explanation of the first commandment reminds us that everybody has a God. Luther says this, that there are those who think they have God in everything when they have money and property. Luther also says that there are those who boast in knowledge and great wisdom and learning and power and prestige and family and honor, and he trusts in them who have a God, but not the one true living, breathing God. So there is a God that's always at the forefront of people's consciences. But not always the only true living, breathing God who ever was, ever is, and ever shall be. And there's days, my friends, where we wonder where God is in the midst of things, as if somehow he's gone silent. There are times when we feel defeated and perhaps so overwhelmed that we start questioning whether God can even overcome these conditions. And of course, when we're in those times, maybe like we are today with the COVID-19 virus going on and all these other pandemics, we might find ourselves waiting and waiting and waiting. When's this ever going to be over with, God? When are we going to return to some normal times? When are things going to be like they once were? Why did you let this happen, God? When, when, when? It's like, you know, the kid in the back of the car seat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Some days I wonder if we just don't wear God out with our incessant behavior. It's like we're putting God on trial. Like somehow we expect God to justify himself to us. You know, we talked about that. The Israelites being in that, those times of despair. Being in desperate need of hope. Looking at God as if somehow he had been defeated and gone silent and missing. And so now what? Well, now that they've exhausted themselves and, and they're quietly coming out of exile, God begins to speak. Thus, 
says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. He speaks through his prophet Isaiah, and the words that he speaks are words that not only that the Israelites need to hear, but the words that you and I need to hear today. You know, we're just as broken and in despair as those Israelites were in those days. Maybe not in the same way, but broken nonetheless. And it's said that, you know, with people who have, severe, have gone, undergone severe trauma, that the best way to reconstruct their lives is to point them back to what they once were. To show them what their identity was before the trauma happened, before they became broken. And this is what God does through Isaiah today. This is what Isaiah does as he helps remind the Israelites of their relationship history with God. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. This is a reminder to the Israelites and to you and I of who we belong to. A King. A Redeemer. A Lord of hosts. But this isn't just any King or any Redeemer or any Lord. Think about these terms that Isaiah uses here, or that God uses through Isaiah here. King and Redeemer and Lord. King is used as a reminder that even though David's not the Israelites' rulers anymore, the Israelites aren't without a God. They're not without a ruler. They have the ultimate king. Lord, my friends, is God's personal name recalling the long covenantal relationship between the Israelites and God and God's chosen people. A redeemer in Israelite society was someone who ransomed someone from kidnapping or slavery. And the term here is used to describe Yahweh as Israelite's rescuer. And the Lord of hosts, that's a military term. That's been used multiple times throughout the books of Joshua and Judges. So as he uses these terms, he's trying to draw the the Israelites' attention back to who they are. What it was like before things went into disrespair. Saying, hey, you know what? You've changed and your conditions have changed, but God hasn't changed. This is your God. This is who you need to be turning your attention to for hope and peace and security. And then God says what? I am the first And I am the last. Yet another divine title. And then again in verse 8, God's described as a rock. The Israelites and us are reminded of the identity of God. The one true living, breathing God who ever was, ever is, and ever shall be. And as the Israelites and us are reminded of who God is, God, as if defending himself like he needed to, not, he starts putting these false gods on trial and calling them out. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let them proclaim it. Let them declare and set forth before me. Who has announced from of old the things to come? Then let them tell us what is yet to be. It's like God saying, can your so-called God do what I can do? I think not. God's mocking these false gods, daring them to live up to the promises that only He, Yahweh, can fulfill. Because God's the only rock, the only promise of hope and salvation. And God is ever faithful in carrying out His promises. 
And you know, by proclaiming through Isaiah that he, God, is the king and the redeemer, and by calling out the false gods, God is actually inviting the Israelites and us, the hopeless and discouraged people, to recall how God has always provided for us. How God has always delivered, or has delivered uh, them, the Israelites, and us from slavery. How He established a land and a kingdom for them, and how they are now returning from captivity. God calls upon them not to fear or to be afraid. Why? Because God's the rock. He's the rock of who we're built upon. There are no other gods that can do what Yahweh does. And just as God spoke to the Israelites of Isaiah's day, He speaks to us today. In our times of trouble, maybe we need to recall by reflecting in our own lives what God has done in our lives. Maybe look back and upon our lives and, and look to those darkened times and see how God has brought us out. Maybe we need to look back to our, our baptisms and remember and recall the promises that God gave us in our baptisms. What did He do in our baptisms? He staked us. He cleansed us. He made us His and gave us that promise of a better future, of an eternal life with Him. Maybe that's what we need to do is recall every time we're in a darkened period of how God works. What about us as, as, as a congregation here at Ascension? Has God not always provided for us in the past? Has He always brought us through those times? Why should today be any different? Why should tomorrow be any different? God has always been and always will be. He doesn't change. We change. And you know what else? Maybe... When we think that God has gone silent, maybe we're the ones that need to go silent. Maybe we need to sit still and listen. Because God doesn't stop speaking. God doesn't abandon His people. He's always been speaking in His Word. We just need to be in it. We need to be listening to it. And letting His Word change us, rather than trying to change it. And you know, there's a whole world out there that needs that hope that we have. There's a world out there that needs to be reminded that there's a God who never tires of telling His creation about the better future that He's promised. And what does God say? You are my witnesses. We are God's witnesses. Made so in our baptisms. We're called to go out and proclaim His Word to a darkened world. A world that needs to be reminded of who God really is. Of His mighty acts of deliverance. And you know, when we can recall those things, when we can recall the promises that we have of who we belong to, then we can't help but speak up and let the world know who we are. And what kind of God we have. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's tell the world when we leave these walls. Sorry. You can't help but speak up. God doesn't change. He's the Lord, the Redeemer, the Rock. And He never tires of telling a world broken and reminding His broken people of the blessed future that He promises. A future that you and I have. A future that there's out there that people need to hear about. And to God be all the glory. Amen.